0: I'm Steve Hayes, and welcome to This Is My Story. I love stories, and what I find most compelling about them is when I can talk to other people about what's gone on in their lives. And when you hear everything that has come together to make them who they are, it's really powerful. So please listen along with This Is My Story.
1: I'm Caleb Pruitt, and this is my story.
0: All right. Hey, everybody. Welcome to This Is My Story with Steve Hayes. Today, we are privileged to have Caleb Pruitt with us. What's up, Caleb? I don't know if it's a privilege, but I'm oh, here. and It's such a privilege. <laughs> Caleb's one of my favorite dudes. This is what I always tell people about Caleb. If you don't like Caleb Pruitt, there's something wrong with you. He's just one of the most likable people I've ever met and just a cool guy. We've had the chance to spend a lot of time together recently because yeah. we've been working on um, <clears throat> a project for my house, and Caleb's been very helpful. So I appreciate him a ton. Um, but one of the things that's cool about you, man, and people don't know this about you, people would meet you and they would think he's a country boy. He's, you know, he's got... a uh, 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 a house. He's got himself a little ranch out there, pretty much, yeah. forty acres and some cows Man. and a pond. He's uh, he's out there feeding the cows hay and and got a, got an old Ford truck he's working on. And they yep. just think Caleb Pruitt is just your typical kind of country dude, Corsicana dude. But the more you dig into your story, you are like an you've lived internationally you have uh, been all (laughs) over the world you've uh, you've guided fishing in Alaska you have done done a few things you've done a whole bunch of things (laughs) that most people have never done and so I'm really excited about your story so I mean let's start there where where were you born and where'd, where'd you grow up? So
1: the geography lesson of my yeah, life. Yeah, let's that's, do that, that's, man. That's so, a,
0: yeah, it, it is It's geography not, lesson. It's not too. simple.
1: No, I was born, when people are like, where are you from? Yeah. They say, where are you from? Well, it's like, well, I live in Corsicana. And I'm I'm kind of now from Corsicana. Yeah.
0: Um, but I was born in Katy. I was born in Katy, Texas. Down by Houston.
1: Uh, down by Houston. Houston kid.
0: And you lived there until what?
1: So I, li- I lived there off and on multiple times. Um, okay. So I was born there and only lived there for a few months, and we moved right to Ponca City, Oklahoma. Okay. Um, so that that was where I grew up as a baby in Punk City, mm-hmm. um, as a toddler, um, and when I was five, we were in Punk City, and my dad was working for Conoco at the time, okay. a little oil and gas company, yeah, a little and, bitty, uh, little bitty one, yeah, yeah. little bitty, yeah. yeah, fixer and, upper company. Uh, he was working at there's a big refinery in, in Ponca City that Conoco owned, and uh, they transferred him to Dubai,
0: United Arab Emirates. Um, and, and you lived in Dubai for what? Five years. Five years. Yeah, yeah. I
1: spent well, mo- I spent all my elementary school years, kindergarten through fourth grade, in Dubai.
0: Man, what um, a, what a crazy place to go. Now yeah. was Dubai then what it is now? No, no. It's kind of the crown jewel of the Middle East. Yeah. Now and- yeah,
1: it's, it's huge now. Mm-hmm. Um, at that time, they were, they had discovered oil, they had, um, the UAE had, had developed a lot of its oil, mm-hmm. and they were really starting to capitalize on all of it. So they had accumulated a lot of wealth, and they were sp- starting to spend it um, more on visible things, on infrastructure things, mm-hmm. um, you know, they had built Had just completed the Burj al-Arab Hotel when we were there, while we were there. Mm -hmm. Um, Started construction on the Burj Khalif, which is the tallest tower in the Mm -hmm. world, I think still. Yeah, I Um, think that's right. So that was on like, as as we were in Dubai, the Burj al-Arab popped up, Wild Wadi, um, Water Park, all these things started popping up. Um, you know building downtown dubai up right um, you know they were on like floor 60 of the burj khalifa when we left so right. it was this huge spear starting to shoot up into the sky with cranes all over it as we were moving out of dubai they
0: had the uh, dancing fountains
1: yet they didn't have the dancing fountains yet they hadn't yeah. developed all that underneath it it was it was just a huge construction project they were excavating dirt and right. this tower was being built so it was it was really kind of the birth of that really extravagant Dubai that yeah. you see now yeah we were we were there right when that was all really being hatched so
0: I remember it so I went to Dubai for like a day um, on a layover from New York to to Uganda yeah and um, <clears throat> the thing I remember about Dubai is when we stepped out of the airport it takes your breath away. It's so hot. So hot. That's that's the hottest place I think I've ever been. Like you walk out of the door and it's like walking into a sauna. Yeah, and yeah. it's just crazy. Do you remember it being? What, what's your enduring memory as a kid, as a five-year-old? Right. Five yeah, year yeah.
1: Old. five, six, seven. Yeah. So you, know, you show up, uh,
0: Katy, Texas boy. Yeah. To yeah. Uh, going to, from Dubai. northern Oklahoma too. Yeah.
1: It was it was weird. We would. So we traveled back and forth to the U.S. quite a bit. We would mm-hmm. come home every summer and every Christmas. Um, okay. and I, th- I think at the time the company actually coordinated that. They they allowed us to do that, mm-hmm. um, just being expats in Dubai. Um, and they, uh, when you would we'd come home for Christmas, we'd fly to DFW. And and back then there was no nonstop, so we'd fly to London, usually Heathrow or Gatwick, and transfer mm-hmm. over. Um, between airports and then land in DFW. And we'd come home for Christmas. You'd fly back to Dubai after Christmas was over in, in you know, early January. And you'd leave Dallas in January. Dallas, you know, it could be 30, it could be 20, or it could right. be 50, but it was chilly. Right. And you'd land in Dubai, and it would be cooler in Dubai, but at night in Dubai in January, it would be 80. Wow. And so you'd get off the plane, and it's just this yeah. warmth would, and that was before they had jetways and the huge terminal in Dubai now. So we were getting off on a on a ladder, you know, on a staircase, going to a bus to bus over, um, mm-hmm. you know, from the inter- international area. And so, you know, just getting on that hot tarmac and
0: mm-hmm. yeah, I, they I they talked about that. when we were there that <clears throat> that people's tires would melt. I believe that, yeah. To to the road. During what the times?
1: summertime, the houses were the houses were really what would tell you how hot it would get because you'd have a two thousand square foot house and it'd be built out of it was cinder block wall construction. They'd right. coat it in like gunite and stuff, mm-hmm. so you'd have concrete walls essentially, and there would be like two five ton AC units on top of a little two thousand square foot house. Wow, just huge AC units to keep these things cooled. We actually. I remember my dad talking about this. We had a water storage tank in the backyard, an above-ground storage tank, and then we had a hot water heater inside. And these storage tanks were black, and we actually flipped off the hot water heater. Wow! And would use the hot water heater to cool water to room temperature inside because it the would house because so that storage tank outside was so hot. Wow! If you so we would flip the water around and your your cool water would come out of your hot water heater that was inside cooling off, and your hot water came out of that outdoor black storage tank through the cool water faucet that was just scalding hot.
0: Wow. Yeah. So it was was weird. That's weird. Yeah, it was a weird way of living. And you told me, you know, I think a a lot of people think that if you go and live somewhere like that, you know, that everything is just so different and you don't, like how do you take trips and how do you like yeah. drive places and stuff? But, yeah. but it's just like being here, you take trips just yeah. like you would here. Yeah. What's the coolest trip y'all took when you lived in Dubai?
1: Yeah. Dubai was different too. Cause it was super Westernized and it mm-hmm. still is super Westernized. Yeah. We had, we had family friends, good family friends that lived in Cairo, Egypt, mm-hmm. and it was a little not as Westernized in Cairo. Um, and they, so, like, the ladies wouldn't drive in Cairo. The, the wife had it. They had a driver, and the wife mm-hmm. wouldn't drive. Dubai, my mom, could drive. Right. Um, but we, we, we took several trips. We actually drove around Dubai a lot, um, around the UAE a lot. Um, I mean, you know, Dubai proper, you know, there's, there's kind of, I guess they're really suburbs. There's just a bunch of decent-sized cities along the coast there, along mm-hmm. the Persian Gulf. And so you'd go Dubai, and, and then Abu Dhabi's right next to it. And I think Abu Dhabi's actually the capital. Um, and then there's Ras Al-Qaimah and, and um, you know, a bunch of different cities dotted up and down the coast that we'd go to regularly. Um, Jebel Ali was where the port was. And, you know, they, I think they moved the school out that way, um, mm-hmm. the American school that I went to. Um, so we would you know we'd go inner city travel all all the time Mm -hmm. Um, it wasn't anything to drive over to Abu Dhabi for a certain market or something like that Um, and then we would go out to the desert we'd go duning Um, you know there's a bunch of government land that's that's just wide open desert and we'd go there were kind of more plotted areas that that were regular duning areas so there were like gas stations where you'd air down your tires and air up your tires when you came out of the desert and we'd go camp out there and there were some villages you could drive through um that were pretty circulated by you know by tourists and by um locals that would go duning and stuff and we'd do the beach and so it wasn't the kind of place where you were just locked in your house. No, all the time not you at all. Out. Not it at all. We did tons of stuff. We we traveled, we drove down to, <clears> to <throat> Oman, um and went we'd go snorkeling at Khan and cool. Um,
0: you know, yeah. You want to hear a good UAE joke? By, by the way? way, I love jokes. Yeah, you ready? I at all of them. Did you know that the people in Dubai don't like the Flintstones? But the people in Abu Dhabi do.
1: I it's love terrible, you. isn't it? I love it. I love it. Yeah. So
0: where'd y'all go from from uh, Dubai? Yeah, yeah there so five Dubai, years, and then, yeah, there then were five where?
1: years, and then gone. We went back to Houston. Um, Dad, okay. I got transferred back to Houston office. So, um, so you're back in Katy. Back in Katy, yeah, yeah, back
0: within like five miles of where I was born. And, um, and then, same town. What's the next? Time? You go to Alaska at some point yeah yeah journey. so we do we
1: do i spent a big time at katie in katie that second time around we were there from 2000, 2000 2001 until oh seven okay oh six all right i finished my sophomore i finished fifth grade in dubai or in katie went all of junior high and finished my sophomore year in katie and okay. we transferred at the end of my sophomore year we transferred to bartlesville oklahoma Okay, um Dad went to work at Phillips 66 headquarters in Bartlesville they they combined they merged companies during that time. Conoco and Phillips became Conoco Phillips. He went to work in Bartlesville. We lived in Bartlesville for I think eight months, and it was like it was about this time it was about April, March, April, and we got basically emergency orders to transfer to Anchorage, Alaska. Um, I believe the way that ended up happening is there was a death in the company of one of the senior leaders in, at the Anchorage office. And um, I don't know if – yeah. But somebody – something happened to somebody. Um, I think it may have been cancer, actually. Mm-hmm. And they were pulled out, um, and they transferred that up there immediately. So it was <clears> – <throat> I'm doing my junior year in Bartlesville, starting to settle in, and then – Boom! We moved within two weeks. Wow! And I remember coming in that night. It was kind of later that evening, and Dad was sitting in the living room, and it was like nine o'clock. It was dark, and he goes, "Caleb, we need to talk." And I'm—I remember I'm like, Dad, "Oh man, what did I do?" <laughs> you know, I'm racking my brain. I'm like, "Oh, we need to talk. That's not good." And he's—he's uh, like—he's like, he's like um, you know, sit down. We need to talk. And I'm like, "Oh great, what did I do?" And he goes, we're being transferred to Alaska. And I remember kind of like weeping, A, out of relief that I didn't do something to get me in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> and B, because I was like, Alaska, that's awesome. But, man, I really like it here. And yeah. this is terrible. So it was like all these weird emotions like relief and sadness and excitedness. Yeah, And uh, we ended up flying out. We had show cows at our house in Bartlesville. We hauled them down to my grandma's place. Uh, and turned them out to pasture and kind of settled all of our dealings there and then in like gone. a week and I was gone we were I was starting school in Anchorage Alaska as a junior
0: that's crazy so a you week, you know you're a in one way. of the you're in the desert yeah for five years yeah then big and then city. you're in the frozen tundra yeah of Alaska. Anchorage Alaska yeah how long did y'all stay there so my parents were there so i graduated high
1: school in in alaska um, from chugiak high school chugiak high school Um, how about that yeah so i graduated um finished my junior year graduated high school there my parents stayed behind in anchorage for less than less than a year after that Mm -hmm. i think it was it was just a few months it was through that summer um because some of my family came up and vacationed and i stayed up there that summer Um,
0: and didn't you do some sort of uh, fishing yeah uh, so
1: I graduated high school and my (coughs) uh, my hurdles coach who was also the wrestling coach um, coach Huffer um, basically came to me and was like hey so my family and I have a fish camp out um, on near the Iggy Geek River and we commercial salmon fish. We've got a camp on the beach, and then I have a drift net, gill net boat that we go out from the beach and fish. And he said, do you want to come commercial salmon fishing this summer? And I was like, yeah, sure. So yeah, I went out and spent, I think, about six weeks out in the remote Alaskan, really the remote Alaskan wilderness. There was a cannery on the beach, Coffee Point Seafoods. Okay. and that was it there was no there was I can't nothing. tell you how far away we were from anything really they run into bear nothing. oh yeah all, all the, the time. time wolf all the time i never saw any wolves there we had seals come up on the beach every now and then we'd get a baby seal up on the beach uh-huh. like hugging one of our buoys um <laughs> that was always kind of like wow that's crazy uh huh um Lot of bears, lot of bears, yeah. lots and lots of bears. We saw bears every night. I mean, wow. yeah, we would shoot these little ground squirrels. <laughs> I don't know if we we're supposed to <laughs> or not, but there were ground squirrels all over the place in the uh-huh. sand on these dens, and we'd shoot them, and you know, with BB guns or twenty twos. and the bears would come up. It would just draw them up, and so there were just bears all the time. And then a dead seal or dead fish and stuff would, just, you know. Wash up on the beach, and yeah. so you'd be going down the beach late in the evening, and or in the middle of the night, and there'd be just two or three bears on the beach, and it's like oh That's crazy, yeah. You you definitely the bears are weird too because you see them so often. It's like oh, ah, there you know oh, there's a bear yeah, and so you don't really freak out, but at the same time it's like even the really experienced people are like no stay stay back like don't get too close. So
0: so I could hear about all your adventures. Yeah, forever. I mean, yeah. it's really fun yeah. to to talk about them. But one of the main reasons we do this whole deal, and I want to make sure we have enough time to really get into it. But yeah. the main reasons we do this whole deal and love hearing stories from from people like you, is um, you know we share faith in Christ, absolutely, and that has become a huge. I mean, it, it's everything to us. Yeah. So, <clears throat> at what point did you? come to know Christ, how did you, how did that make an impact in your life? You're this kid who I'm sure, even though it's exciting to go to all these places, it had to be a, a bit confusing for you at, at a young age to, to uproot, and, and at yeah. the very least, unsettling at times to do that. Yeah. What role did Jesus play in your upbringing, and when did you come to embrace Jesus for yourself? Yeah.
1: So, I can say through all these moves and things, the the one thing I saw, um, and and continually helped point me back was was the faith of my parents, um, mm-hmm. and their faith in, in taking these leaps of leaps of faith in moving to mm-hmm. these places. Um, that was always the top of their consideration. Was what does God want us to do when something like this would arise? Um, Myself personally, I, I came to know Jesus at a really, really young age. Um and I'm still getting to know him more and more every day, even today. Um so it's been a it's been a thirty year long process really. Um mm-hmm. from my parents praying for me as a baby that, that I would come to know Jesus to me actually coming to know Jesus as a young boy. Um I uh I really vividly remember praying with my dad that I wanted to accept Jesus right before we moved to Dubai. Um, I had listened to the left behind series on the radio. (laughs) Um, If you remember that back in the nineties and that, that kind of the realness of that left behind series kind of like, you know, piqued my interest. And so I started asking questions and as these questions got answered it really directed me more and more and more toward um, toward a relationship with Christ. Right. Um, and um, while we were in Dubai, I was I was um, had just turned I think I was, I was between eight and nine. And that's one thing I am bummed about is I don't remember the exact day when I was baptized. Um, but I I publicly professed in church um, that. You know, I I chose to follow Christ, and that I wanted to be baptized, mm-hmm. um, and so I was baptized in Dubai um, cool. in a swimming pool, um, in the middle of the desert, yeah. and uh, and um, really, that's what really that that time um, really you know sparked my sparked my faith even more um, forward, and uh, and then. Growing up, moving through all these places, as a believer, um, you know, after getting transferred back to the states, um, just seeing my parents um, really um, set an example for me and my siblings um, for what a Christ follower looks like um, was was really important. Um, played a big role, and uh, and just you know, as a, as a kid, as a, as a teenager growing up in Katy, Texas and all the junk that goes along with that. Um, you know, I've, I've, I've had, um, sort of key moments, um, where, where my faith really made sense and really opened up my eyes, um, to what's, what's been going on and and what's to come, um, from being a believer. So, um, you know, just having and and I think anybody that's lost a friend, um, lost someone they know, um, probably experiences sort of that revelation at some point if if they're a believer. Um, and had a had a um, gal that I knew in high school as a freshman and sophomore um, passed away in a car wreck, um, and that really looking it it really didn't dawn on me at the time. I'm just I'm just feel like my head's below water and I'm just oblivious to to what's going on around me. When I look back at that event and and that time frame now, it's like, man, how how weird and horrible of a time it was for me. Um, at, at the time, but now I look back at it and it's like, man, God really used that to to grow me and and develop me, mold me into what He wanted me to be. Yeah, Um, more so. So, yeah,
0: and and then your life. We we didn't even talk about really half of the places that you've been. You know, as far as (laughs) just visiting, yeah, visiting, yeah, Yeah. or whatever. You've been to Taiwan. You've been to Switzerland. You've been, uh, you know, all all over Europe, all over a little
1: bit, yeah, Southeast Um, Asia.
0: What do you? How has your exposure to so much of the world? How has it? How has that um, inter- intersected with your faith to give you a different perspective? Yeah, on God.
1: So I, I, I kind of a lot of times I, I compare my life to to books, and mm-hmm. I, I love to read books and mm-hmm. different genres of books and a lot of people's lives could could be depicted as a Western or a sci-fi or something like that. And I feel like my life could be depicted as a world book encyclopedia right? (laughs) of just like, oh, all these random places, random facts, random experiences. You know, I rodeoed as a kid. I commercial fished as a kid. It's like, you know, such vast different experiences. Um, But I think seeing seeing other places, other countries in particular in regions of the world, we've been around Europe, you know, Mm -hmm. France, the UK, um, Mm -hmm. um, we've, we've been, um, we did Thailand, um, you know, living in the Middle East, I've been to, you know, been around Egypt, some been into parts of the Middle East, Jordan and, and, uh, you know, areas like that Mm -hmm. where you see, the religions of the world. You right. experience the religions of the world. I, I actually, um, in elementary school in Dubai, I had a, a Emirates studies class, and so we learned about Islam and we learned about, you know, the United Arab Emirates and, and the Middle East. And I, mm-hmm. you know, learned a little bit of Arabic and, right. um, you know, so I learned as a kid about the five pillars of Islam, right. and that is pretty. Um, instrumental in really developing my belief in, in Christianity and, and my walk with Christ um, from seeing other religions and seeing the differences okay, seeing how different a, a walk with Christ is versus um, being in this rigorous regimented religion of Islam and mm. um, and, and just how free you are in, in a walk with Christ and how chained you are to mm-hmm. your religion um, with Islam in particular, which is one that I experienced a lot of living in the Middle East. Right. Um, so I think, I think um, to, to kind of more bluntly answer the question, seeing other religions up close where they came from, where they're largely practiced, where you're actually a minority as a Christian being in Thailand or being Mm -hmm. in, you know, wherever it may be, being in Cairo, Egypt, um, that changes your perspective on things a lot, Mm -hmm. um, a whole
0: lot. Makes you hold it a little more dear.
1: Yeah, yeah,
0: absolutely, absolutely.
1: And and we you know we, I mean we we went to a church in Dubai that technically wasn't supposed to exist, right? Um, and and I remember that I remember it was in a house. It was a big compound of a house, and we actually ended up renting out two houses that were joined by a common wall. We knocked the common wall out and joined the living rooms together to make a bigger sanctuary as our church grew. Mm. Um, and they've got a website now Emirates Baptist Church International was the, like was that. the church that I went to there That's and so cool. yeah so just um, you know experiencing that experiencing church in that way um, you know changes changes things for you pretty cool we're
0: good pause <clears throat> thanks dudes just a pause just pause let me, let me make a quick call a yeah
1: you're good We can make like three episodes. (laughs)
0: Probably not. Sorry, it gets hot in here. It does get hot in here. Hey, I think my checkbook is in our bathroom. Hello. Can you hear me? I think our checkbook is in my bathroom. I think the checkbook is in my bathroom. I think. Okay, so it's charged. Sixty. If it's not in there, I really don't know where it is. Maybe in the file cabinet in the closet under the stairs. But I think it might be in my bathroom. Some airflow. All right. Thanks. Bye. (laughs) Oh, God. Arnold is here mowing. Where's the money? Please hurry before this man sits awkwardly waiting for that check. (laughs) (laughs) Who is that? Trent. Trent. (laughs) Trent. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> this man oh man all right we yeah. good to go yeah yeah so man really cool to to hear about the international perspective that you bring to things and i think this is just something that most people don't know about you you know like i said they see you they see this guy who who you know cowboy boots and, and a, a little farm and of course and- can a livestock <laughs> auction hat yeah and and yeah. the cows and everything and they just think, Well, Caleb's just a Corsicana boy, you know? And um, and yet you've had all these amazing experiences outside in the in the great big world that most people haven't haven't had. And it's really cool to hear about how the Lord has guided you through all of that to the place where you are. Now now you're married to Ashley, yeah. who's a, just an amazing yeah. person. Got two kids. Yep. And a whole other adventure. A <clears throat> whole other adventure. Yeah. And you're, and you find yourself in a, in a stage in life where um, stability is really important to you. You know, you've, Definitely. you've laid, you basically laid down roots. Yeah. What made you decide after all of this moving around? What made you decide, hey, I'm going to, I'm going to lay down roots here.
1: So Corsicana in particular is a is a is another story. I think for me, wanting to kind of anchor myself in one place is just an instinct of growing up the way I grew up.
0: Is this the craziest foreign country you've been to, this Corsicana? Is, this is, Nevera County <laughs> is the
1: wildest <laughs> place I've ever been or visited 100%. Yeah, I, get, I get it. And that's, you know, and, and that's the beautiful thing about it too, I think, is you... When you have seen other places, you, you learn that there, this isn't the norm. Mm-hmm. Navarro County isn't the norm. We, we like to think it is because we've lived there and it's our, it's our habitat, but there's other habitats other places. You yeah. know, there's, there's other environments, there's other cultures out there. And so getting to experience the culture here is kind of neat from my perspective because I've experienced other cultures. Um, so, you know, the, the cows, the livestock and all that, mm-hmm. you know, the food, barbecues, steak, yeah, yeah. that yeah. type of thing. It's, I, I see it in a little bit different way. Um, I, I also see it kind of coming back to roots because that's where my dad grew up in Southeast Oklahoma on a dairy farm yeah. that converted to a beef cattle farm. So it's like, that's where we went back to all the time for Christmas and summertime when I was moving everywhere. Home was Medill, <laughs> Oklahoma for me, really. Yeah. And and I think it still is. My parents have a house there and have had that house since we lived in Dubai. So we've had the house over 20 years and that's where I've spent Christmases and summers. So for, home for me is that house in yeah, Cumberland, Oklahoma. That's home base. Yeah. yeah. So
0: did you know when you were growing up and you would come back to those places for holidays, did you know that that's, what you wanted for your life too, something along those lines?
1: I think so. When when I was in Alaska, I was always homesick for Oklahoma um, for the mm-hmm. farm. And mm-hmm. and when we lived in Bartlesville, that was our cha- I thought we were kind of getting back to that. We, we had a little bit of a place there. We had our show cows at the house in Bartlesville. We had a little farm going. And then we uprooted and went to Alaska. And it's like, I want to go back to Oklahoma. I want to go back to Oklahoma. And so I think for me – a farm, cattle, that type of thing was was definitely at in my guts, you know. That's that's what I was, you know, programmed for from
0: the get go. It had um, to be. You take the farm out of the boy, but yeah. you can't take the boy <laughs> yeah. out of the farm. Yeah, that's or whatever. It. Boy that's out it. of the farm with the farm out of the boy.
1: Yeah, so as soon as we got a chance to to look at land, it's like I I jumped you all over in. it. I it just the light bulb went off. I was like, What? We're living in an area, you know, Ashley and I met. We mm-hmm. We're both from Katy, but she was at, at Baylor in Waco and I was at North Texas in Denton. And okay. We found Corsicana just by a miracle and, and then, you know. We, here we are. Uh, here I am. Here well, I am. we
0: sure are glad that you found it. Sure are glad that you took some time out of your day today to come and join us and to tell your story. And just, you know, a really cool story, a really cool guy. Thanks, thanks for dude. being you and I appreciate uh, that. and we're we're so glad you're here. I'm glad you decided to lay down roots here' cause, uh, i I couldn't imagine you know life without Caleb Pruitt just kinda <laughs> you're just one of those people who uh you're who who are just easy you know you're easy to be around you're you're fun, you're kind you just got a good way about you man so. Thanks for being you, and thanks for joining us here. And I hope we got many, many years to keep doing cool stuff together. Me too, man. All right, bud. Me too. Thank you. Thanks. If you enjoyed our show, please subscribe. And if you'd like to spread the word, please consider leaving a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe too. Our video podcast is available on our Grace Community Church YouTube channel. This is My Story is produced and engineered by Jake Moore and is a ministry of Grace Community Church in Corsicana, Texas. The views and opinions expressed on this show are those of the speaker and do not necessarily express the views of Grace Community Church. Thanks for listening. With this in the outtakes. <laughs>